Welcome to the Comp Center with Drew Breezy. Tonight, we're going to cover a case out of Burbank, California. It's a Home Depot parking lot. What could go wrong? All that and what it means for your weekend tonight. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Welcome to Failure to Stop. For our wolf pack of followers, guns up, giddy up. Failure to Stop is the top platform to entertain and inform first responders and their friends. Tonight is the Comm Center with veteran detective Drew Breezy, your podcasting friend with police benefits. And I'm John, and I'll be your 911 dispatcher. And together we're going to hear 911 calls and watch police responses to your community's most interesting real-life cases of life and death with a dash of humor. Drew, how are you, my good man? I'm, I'm doing great. I love uh, old-timey detective nights. Every once in a while, we do old-timey detective night, and I just, I love old-timey detective night. What era are you in? Because I'm 1979. Are you, you look like you're actually like 2000s old-timey detective. No, no. Uh, I was going for Barney Miller, but I mean, I don't have the hair for it, first of all. And second of all... Um, Your glasses are too modern. I know, like... You look too handsome to be from Barney Miller. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I'm not a fish. I, I'm well, not what about Jehoitz. I'm huh? trying to like be Dennis Becker from the Rockford Files, but I have too much hair, obviously, and the beard. But I've got it. Oh. I've got a very like stay out of this one Jimbo kind of mentality tonight, and I think that's that's going to play out in basically everything that I do. Well, I'm the um, I'm the angel to your Jim. Oh, I love Angel. He was so infuriating. If I was Jim Rockford, I would have I would have murdered Angel Martin in the first episode. And then the whole show would have been different. Uh, we're doing a, an episode uh, tonight. We're going to be covering a case of a 911 caller who uh, threatened to go active shooter in the parking lot of a Home Depot. Drew's going to break down the, uh, the footage from that. That's from Burbank, California. Uh, Drew, do we have any uh, any news, or did you want to acknowledge maybe some members of the in the chats? What would you like to do first? I want to acknowledge some members in the chats. Look, it's probably going to go very very quickly tonight. For some reason, I have this feeling. Unless you want to participate by calling eight four eight com nine one one. That's eight four eight two six six sixty nine eleven. Nice. Now, it, nice. Now, if you're listening to this at a later time. Like it, not necessarily that you're in the future, but if you're listening to this like on a Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon as you're mowing the lawn, obviously you can't participate in the live show, but you can still call 848-266-6911. You can leave us a voicemail. We're more than happy to hear from you. We'll take all of your show suggestions. We uh, understand that sometimes you, when you propose marriage, the first place you want to call is the comm center with Drew Breezy. And uh, we will accept that <clears throat> at all hours of the day and night. Uh, John leaves his, uh, it is a, um, an old Motorola uh, flip phone. He leaves it charging on his nightstand. So uh, if he doesn't get to it, you can just leave a message. But uh, I also that. leave my door unlocked if you want to just come in and talk to me. You may, you may, and and the part of the world he lives in that's acceptable. So that's that's that. Uh, I want to acknowledge uh, our our old friend Abby Ellsworth, who has a podcast called "On Being a Police Officer." We're always always happy to see uh, Abby. Michael Hendricks, who is uh, brother to one, the one and only Jimi Hendricks. 
uh, is in the chat with us. He is a, a staunch defender of mine, and I'm a big fan of his as well. Lumber Chef is here. Amazing recipes if you're not following Lumber Chef. Andrew Toll is here, for God's sakes. Captain Micah, we, what show would uh, would we be able to have without Captain Micah? Ben Allen is here. He's uh, one of the sons of the revolution, I think. Uh, and he is from that part of the world, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. Deathlove Actmand Carey, which is a mouthful, is here. And it's uh, it's always good to see him. Greg, wh where would we be without Will Cray? Look, Will Cray, I you... get to see in two days' time. If you remember, he won the game show, and now I'm legally required. My lawyer informs me I must go to have lunch with him at oh. Laura on Saturday. So I don't know if we're going to be recording that and possibly do a Patreon. Maybe I'll take a video and play it here next week. Maybe I'll just have a fine lunch with a fine citizen. Whatever my lawyer says I have to do is what it's going to be. But I look forward to seeing you again, Will Cray. And I'll sign your skateboard for you. I can tell you that um, Teresa Kay and Felony Melanie and um, Brittany and I want full uh, review on the chips and salsa at El Loro uh, or Laurel. What is it called? Loro? I don't. It's El Loro. So that's Spanish for the Loro. And I don't know what that means exactly cb fall is also here dead meg dead leg media is also here he's screening our calls tonight call us right now 848-COM-911 we normally have a policy of making you wait 69 minutes before we bring you in the air we, we've kind of loosened that just because it's fall and we're feeling relaxed so go ahead and call us now melanie melanie you want to be on the air you know you do just give us a call you can talk about whatever you want real net real nest 1665 uh, welcome to the show. I'm not sure I've ever seen you before. Uh, you are probably a little underdressed, but as I was telling Deadleg before the show, as you can see, Drew is dressed up with his regular detective stuff. I am not a detective. So from this level here at about mid sternum or mid nipple, I actually with carefully with the scissors cut this so that I am completely nude from the frame down. So you will not be overdressed. Yeah. It's what, it's what they, it's what, what is called a dicky. Now, um, <clears throat> we do have a caller, you know. but it's a, What's that? It's it's a well no the the uh, I know well, I guess keep yeah, going I guess, yeah I guess both north and south we could <laughs> it would apply a reverse um, we uh, according to Michael Hendricks El Loro means the parrot there's no um, way of verifying that but no yeah. I, yeah unless we ask a parrot um, so we're gonna be um, covering a case out of uh listen we made mention earlier of the rockford files i talked about barney miller a little bit i know that i'm dating myself when i talk about those shows those are way back in the 1970s or 1980s or whatever i want to know what your favorite cop show was you can put it in the comments you can leave a comment below on youtube that would be great uh, or you can just uh, rate and review us if you go to um apple podcasts or if you go to spotify um, I mean, maybe that's not the appropriate place to leave your favorite uh, 80s or 90s sitcom slash cop show. Uh, please, it, if you're if you're going to respond with cop rock, don't bother. Does it have to Go be ahead. from the 70s? Because I just love Dragnet. Dra Dragnet was the oh. true procedural and everything else then since then was like a law was like it was sort of a law drama, a legal drama. Dragnet was the only true procedural I felt. Heat of the night. Yeah. Yeah, technically it made it into the 70s. Hill Street Blues is a favorite, as Abby is pointing out. Let's be careful out there. Mick Belker, what what a great undercover uh, Mick Belker was. Uh, he used to call people dog names. Uh, and um, Adam 12 uh, is uh, something that somebody named John keeps bringing up. 
because they talk about dispatchers. I was a huge fan, by the way, of uh, of um, emergency. Do you know that? Do you know that the, 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 dis, the, the dispatcher voice in Adam Twelve was an actual LAPD dispatcher? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I wonder. If, so that so it was authentic because you know she she literally dispatched the central division of of LAPD. It was so. Uh, Oh, Very Central often. Division. Did did they give? Uh, I wonder if she had to get a, stri- a Screen Actors Guild card and all that. No, because they never gave her credit. She never got paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the tradition stretch all the way back to the '60s of disrespect and everything else. So life is good for somebody named Micah, and he's smoking a so- stogie. It's a Thursday night. It's there's probably no breeze where he is, but it's okay. Uh, because he's the breeze in this conversation. Go ahead, Micah. How are you doing? Oh, um, Micah seems to have set himself on fire and unfortunately is unable to speak. Oh, boy. The only one who, who has to pay a higher price for muting himself than me is probably Micah because he's he didn't leave us a voicemail and he's not appearing. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving week. that one more shot by making sure I didn't hit the wrong button. And uh, one, two, three, Micah. Oh, man. Oh, Micah's s- dead, everyone. <laughs> Sadly, Micah has passed away. Please send our condolences to Micah's family uh, and wherever he is. I can um, only assume that it's his fault. So, Micah, fix your shit and call back here in a little bit. Uh, we'll take your call. Don't give up. No, don't ever give up. Uh, okay, so... Uh, how about this? Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about a news story that I came across uh, where it's, it talks, it's, it's calm related, communications related. Austin cops tell unfortunate robbery victims to dial non-emergency numbers amid rampant crime. Now, if you don't know what's going on in Austin, if you haven't followed what's going on in Austin, they've, uh, they've always got that movement of make Austin weird. I've always wanted to make it to the Austin music festival. Like I've, I've always kind of wanted to be there. I actually have a friend who, in the Austin uh, police department. I uh, used to, we used to work together here. Anywho, they seem to have uh, gone the way of um, bullshit woke policies as John calls it. And um, uh, it seems that uh, a lot of the officers have left the department because uh, much like the entire state of California, um, the criminal is always right, the cop is always wrong, and uh, the cop should be in jail, not the criminal. So what happened here in Austin, or what is happening right now, uh, police in Austin are asking residents to call 311 if they become victimized by uh, robbers as crime plagues the leftist-run city, Fox News reported on Monday. Uh, did you get robbed on your way back from a bank or an ATM? Call 311 or make an online report, the Austin Police Department said in an infographic shared on Friday. This thing was shared on X or on Twitter, so it's it's it looks like a great graphic. I think Josh has it. I mean, it looks it looks pretty good, but um, it's kind of a, a slap in the face of the people that pay taxes. Uh, maybe he doesn't have it. I'll I'll find it if he doesn't. Here. I can look for it while you keep talking nope, about it. There you go. So there it is. That's what it looks like. Um, but uh, so <laughs> were you the victim of a serious felony? But but I mean, thank look- God you survived to see this neat infographic. Please call us at your earliest convenience to tell us of the horrible trauma you endured. A description, last known direction of travel for your attacker. Okay. If so you know the name of the king or queen being murdered, press one. So we know the um, we know that pickpockets 
you know, we're not, we're maybe not robberies, but pickpockets are just kind of like, um, pickpockets are just, you know, like theft. This graphic, this infographic where it talks about call 311 to make an online report and mention in your report that you are coming from a bank. It actually shows physical contact with somebody dressed in a, well, it's a white person dressed in a, uh, uh, a, uh, a hoodie of some sort uh, with baggy jeans, which would imply that he is a robber as well. Uh, and a turquoise hat. We we could arrest here. this guy for a fashion violation right off the bat. And he is uh, like tugging and pulling at the arm and uh, or and or jacket of the uh, victim in this case, who they're asking, hey, just call 311 and do an online report. We don't really necessarily want to respond to your now. Look, I'm not making fun of the cops. I'm not poking fun of the cops. I feel horrible for those men and women. I mean, they're out there risking their lives to prevent stuff like this from happening. They, they swore they took an oath. Um, but they, they just, they took, you know, they, they're doing what they can to try to abate crime. It's sometimes the city leadership that has them no pun intended handcuffed. And that's what we have here. So, what Austin PD is asking you to do is if you're robbed coming to or from a bank to call 311 and just do an online report. Uh, you know, the reason we kind of uh, uh, always responded to crimes of violence, such as robbery, is that there might be a, a, a shot at apprehending the, uh, the suspect. I mean, uh, Austin's facing a police shortage as current and former officers cite hostility towards law enforcement and conservatives as the reason behind the problem, according to a report from last March. It's important to note that Austin City Council caved to the leftist defund the police movement in uh, uh, in 2020 and cut the budget by $150 million after the death of George Floyd. In addition, leaders uh, also slashed 150 police officer positions out of the budget. Uh, in 2021, the city council refunded the police department, uh, refunded the police department, but there are reportedly still few two officers working to maintain proper safety for residents. Uh, police chief office, uh, Joseph Chacon recently announced that he was stepping down from leadership after 25 years with the agency amid the rising 25 years in 25 years. That means he should uh, he should have got a long time ago. But anyway, well, it's no, not necessarily because he could have been a, a deputy chief or an assistant chief, or he could have been a line officer up until a year. That's ago. a good point. I mean, you weren't a detective for twenty nine years. You're only a detective for the last twenty nine minutes before you retired. So. That's true. Just so I can get the uh, the title. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, in July, a Texas man who found a dead woman in her backyard claimed it took several phone calls for Austin police to respond to the situation, saying the city quote failed end quote its citizens. Uh, Breitbart News reported, "Look, this is what I've said uh, all along, or I've been saying for to anybody that'll listen." This this defund, which is built on a lie, in my opinion. I mean, yes, George Floyd died. That's a fact. We don't know that he was murdered. Uh, the, only only by the trial do we know that he was murdered. But the the trial did not give accurate facts, and that guy was, uh, you know, Derek Chauvin was uh, was uh, convicted before he even walked into that courtroom. Uh, to be honest, I mean, he should have paid somehow. Uh, I, I don't know that murder was the you know since murder was the case that they gave him. Um, but it's, uh, it's had this backlash. It's had this, uh, like, you know, the rest of America built on this lie that 
somehow racism is tied to this incident in in Minneapolis where there's no nexus to racism whatsoever in the incident itself. It's never been brought up in criminal trial. It's never been brought up anywhere but on the media. The rest of the country knee jerks to this and you get, you know, woke chiefs and woke cops on their knee, you know, bending on their knee and and trying to uh, chase down, uh, you know, trying to bend to the population that we're there to serve and we're, we're there to protect. And you know who um, misses out on this protection the most is the taxpayer, the majority of the people that just want us to show up and do our job and and not worry, have to worry about being indicted for every uh, breath we take. Uh, so I, it seems to me that that's the way of the uh, of the world in California. It seems to me that's the way of the world in um, in Austin, California. I saw that there's some legislation uh, being kicked around uh, that will fine a shop owner or anybody else stopping some type of shoplifting in progress. So that so in other words, they created a vigilante state. Now they have to do something to stop the vigilante state. This is the same thing, in my opinion, and I'll turn the mic over to you in a minute, John, as creating an opioid crisis, then creating a drug that will help you get off the opioids, then creating a drug that will help your stomach to help you with the drug that helps you get off the op- 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 opioids. If you didn't create the opioid crisis in the first place, you wouldn't be making money down the line off the other stuff. That's kind of what we're seeing here, in my opinion. Go ahead, John. Well, uh, we've talked about it before on Failure to Stop. It's There seems to be a broader scheme to defund local police. But of course, uh, my theory about where that all came from, it's funny about 2020, if I might divert a little bit, is that we all seem to have forgotten 2020. Like we forgot like the initial stages of COVID. We were looking at maps spreading and it all started in China. We were, and then later we were like, we don't know where this virus came from. We all gaslit ourselves. Before COVID, before George Floyd, when 2016 happened, there was actually this huge movement in this country about when Donald Trump took over and the safety pin movement. And it, there was this huge movement about defunding Planned Parenthood because conservatives, of course, by and large, oppose uh, abortion at any point and they oppose government subsidized abortion. So there's this big discussion about defunding Planned Parenthood. So then you had all of a sudden you had George Floyd and similar incidents and the call came out from the masses or some some liberal politician out there or some talking head defund the police. And I think it was never meant to be taken seriously because we all recognize that we want police protection from crime. But it was supposed to be seen as tongue in cheek, like the police are necessary for life and so is planned parenthood so you don't you do, you know we don't like you saying defund planned parenthood and to show you how much we don't like that we're going to say defund the police but however somehow it gained traction into a legitimate movement of defunding the police possibly the george floyd thing is what pushed it over the edge and but it all fits in perfectly with a and and i'll wrap up here drew just a defunding local police putting out grants to rebuild police departments that are taking funds from the federal government which then have to uh, abide by the strings that are being pulled by the feds. Drew, your take on that. Um, that was I, a I lot. Could go, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I could go on forever and ever and ever on this. I mean, it, it, it dates way back to, I, I mean, it dates way back. There is a fact that every um, like major riot in any major city has come from some type of police action. Like I get that. And, and, but it's sometimes it's, it's word of mouth within the community of information that they're, that 
whatever happened happened because of racism and right. it's something that they believe and it's something that the media has to perpetuate because that gets people elected and it's the people that they need elected to make more money yeah that's that's uh, their 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 playbook is they they want to be the tentpole for minorities of all kinds if you're not if you're not a white anglo-saxon protestant if you're anything other than that you belong in the house with the big d on it and so the media kind of kind of stirs that up and anybody that that has so you know marginalized or treated differently or whatever whether it's transgendered you know lgbtq uh any any kind of minority group they they try to to stir that angst so that you definitely are are voting for democrats is what it comes down to and everything comes out of that go ahead yeah well speaking of the big d we're gonna uh we're gonna talk to micah again we're gonna give this a shot and see if this is working now micah hello hey micah listen you you sound like a, hey. a I hear angels singing every time you speak, Micah. Uh, well, I try. I'm, I'm trying to get. I'm getting the smoky voice here. I'm I'm multitasking, so I apologize for earlier. I'm doing some running around, some errands, smoking, listening to Com Center, and uh, I found an origami porn site, so that might have caused the issue earlier. Ooh. So no, yeah, if, if you're curious, that's provocatively folded paper. Yes, and it's a uh, pay-per-view. Yeah. Does it pay-per-view? <laughs> pay-per-view. Okay. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Uh is it Japanese people just out of curiosity? I, I understand the punchline, but uh is it Japanese people? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there there's we don't discriminate uh, in origami porn. We we welcome all. Yeah. Uh, what a weird we show. Yeah, we have gone uh, left and right. It, it takes, it does, um, I, I'd be interested to see the grasshopper. Uh, okay, so thank you for calling, Micah. Uh, thank you for origami. Thank you to the Japanese for... Press one in the chats if Micah should be banned from calling into the show. Press two if he should only be restricted to voicemails. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um. So that's that. I mean, like... We're going to stick kind of with our showbiz theme, uh, because as you know, or maybe you don't, a lot of things happen in Burbank that are show business. And there is no business like show business, John. Uh, I was trying to think earlier today, and somebody helped me out maybe in the chats or wherever. There is a show that starts off with, and I swear, uh, because I used to fall asleep to this, fall asleep to this all the time. Was it the 5 p.m. news? Live. <laughs> no, that was later in life. <laughs> <laughs> live, live from the Burbank studio or live from the studio in Burbank, California. It's so I don't remember if it was the tonight show. I don't remember. Uh, like I thought I was onto something. I thought it might be Ka uh, Carol Burnett, uh, which is very old for a lot of you, but that was uh, live from studio city in Hollywood, California. That's Jay Leno Burnett. started from live in Burbank. Did he? Yeah, we discussed that multiple times before. I couldn't download it before the show, but yeah, it was from Burbank. It's the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and Kevin Newbanks and me. I'm Ed Hall. Yeah. Uh, you no, Conan, Conan Tansy, we discussed this all the time. Live from New York. It's late night with Conan O'Brien. He was in New York, man. He, yeah. His studio was right above SNL. They had SNL people on the show all the time. Yeah, Studio 8H. He, he was, uh, well, 8H is uh, SNL. You know, he was a writer for he was brilliant on that show too he was in a in a tom hanks sketch the, the five timers club he played the the coat rack guy he was hilarious in that sketch 
I don't know if you saw that. One, two, three, four, five. That was their their handshake. He he was also a writer for uh, The Simpsons, which is probably done. Marge versus Burbank. the monorail. The best episode of all time is by Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the Burbank area. It's uh, it's a city in the southeastern end of the San Fernando Valley. If you didn't know that, it's in L.A. County. Uh, it's about twelve miles northwest of downtown L.A. It's got a population of 107,000, maybe a little bit more. It was named after David Burbank. And guess what his, uh, in 1867, guess what his profession was, John? He was a Burbanker. Nope. He was a sheep rancher, which Damn I it. know was your second uh, chance second. Uh, choice. It's often called the media capital of the world because it's so close to Hollywood, but also because Warner Brothers, Walt Disney Company, Nickelodeon, Burbank Studios, uh, Cartoon Network, uh, all, all these other places, uh, all these other shows uh, filmed there. Uh, and and as it says right in my notes here, uh, often as a joke on Ronan Martin's Laugh-In and The Tonight Show starring Johnny uh, Carson, as both shows were taped uh, in NBC's former studios, they would make reference to uh, the, the Burbank studios. So Hollywood Burbank Airport was the location of Lockheed Martin's, uh, back then it was just Lockheed, uh, a, a program called Skunk Works. Uh, this would be something right up the alley of uh, Night Shift TSI, which is a, a, an amazing show. If you have not checked that out, it is on Sunday nights. It is our very own Eric Tanzi and conservative aunt, Anthony Ramondi. They talk about conspiracies. They break down conspiracies. They don't try to convince you. They just give you the facts and you'll convince yourself. So check that out Sunday nights. Uh, on YouTube, it's also downloadable as a as a uh, uh, as a um, podcast. That's what we do. Uh, but it's also uh, Burbank. The reason I bring that up is because Skunk uh, Skunk Works was the uh, place uh, that had the spy planes. That's where they built U uh, two, the U two spy planes, not the band, but U two, the Blackbird uh, SR twenty two. Yeah. And just so you'll know, the uh, the uh, the city contains the largest ikea in the united states ikea is very close and near and dear to me i love ikea listen what's, what's your favorite because I, I i like the malm collection but also <laughs> i've got a fjord schlusen that i'm just dying to put together this weekend god bless you uh i i was a fan of the Soderham. uh i i i used that in my uh, living room at the uh, apartment i had a long long time ago uh but um I can't give you any other. Um, uh, well, Malm wasn't Malm the dresser that uh, yeah. mauled children. Uh, no, it there were some children that suffocated it, but they ruled that that was the parents who put them inside the Malm that actually did it. IKEA got off, and there was, no, there was I, damages of some amount of meatballs. To, I don't remember. It's been so. Yes, I think that was part of it. It's and also the cinnamon rolls, but the but but uh, Malm was recalled because they didn't give hardware to attach it to the wall. So kids right. were tipping Yes, it they over. got crushed. They literally and, did, yeah. Yeah, and they would take, <laughs> as long as you had like four corners and a couple of um, of drawers, they would take it back and give you a credit for it. So there came a cottage industry on Facebook Marketplace for people buying beat-up malm dressers and the only reason i know that is because i sold mine to somebody who told me what they were doing they, also they, you had to investigate what they called in south florida the mall murders over nine killed over one steamy hot summer 
bodies found no. left inside dressers. Drew Breezy <laughs> solved the case. And, and if I did, I'd what I would want to do is, uh, you know, I would not want the Ikea people after me, just like the bees are after you. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so in order to do that, I would try to protect my privacy. You know what you could do for that is go to officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, listen, your private information is online. Anybody with an internet connection can easily and very quickly, might I add, find your home address. Data brokers are exposing your private information on uh, people search sites right now as we speak. People are typing in John's name. Officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack has made it easy to delete your information from the internet. I would love for you to go there and check that site out. Support all of our sponsors. They support us. And Officerprivacy.com provides all the tools you need to take back your privacy and feel safe again. John, we have another caller on the line. It's a guy named Andrew, and it's not me. So we're going to talk to Andrew for a second. He has a story for us. Hello, Andrew. Andrew, you're on the line. We are perhaps. Okay, here we go. Hello. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can. Oh, fantastic. John, you're just looking fantastic. Uh, I hope the bees are, you know, finally starting to die off where you're at. Actually, I had one name uh, to add among the stung. My friend Dewey Nordmans was stung to death this week. He is recovering and may be happy again someday. Go ahead. Get well, Dewey. Thoughts and prayers. So I, uh, I have a story tonight about how heroes fall. Go for and it. I used to be a corrections officer. And we had an officer get attacked. Oh, shit. And her part is she was in a, a two-officer module, and her partner left his post at Suicide Watch and saved her, earning himself a chal- the, you know, the department challenge coin. Six months later, he was arrested for having relations with an inmate. Damn it. And had the challenge coin in his pocket when he got arrested. Oh, my gosh. You have to, you have to throw it into like a volcano after that. <laughs> it's tainted. You could never have it back in circulation. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened to it after that. Uh, I believe he ended up getting sentenced to some sort of plea deal. And I don't think he ended up doing any prison time, although we all said he should have. Question for you. Do you, li- do you listen to Hard Time on Patreon? That's a correctional officer show that we actually, I'm not, I'm not even allowed to mention it on Comm Center for contractual reasons. But we do have a correctional officer show with over 24 episodes. We had one episode drop today. If you are a correctional officer and you like Taylor to stop, I encourage you to uh, check out our Patreon. Do the free trial. At, listen to all 24 and then cancel if you don't like it. But we do a correctional officer show where we talk about this exact sort of thing. And I think I've talked to you before and I've played oh. your voicemail on the correctional officer show before, if I'm not mistaken. I, I absolutely I absolutely do listen. And you have played one of my stories on the show. Yeah, it was the one where the guy uh, was uh, he stole. There was there was a feeding time and there was a tray stolen in the remind me of that story. Ah, uh, yes. The hot, was it the hot dog story? Yeah. So, the, guys, it's a prison hot dog story. We're going to save it for after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, um, and if you, ever want, if you ever want to hear it again, feel free to let me know. Yeah. Well, if you're, uh, you're a former corrections officer, you currently are. I'm a former corrections officer. I so, left about a year and a half just ago. Call me, just call me. We'll get you on the show. Drew doesn't like the show being hijacked about correctional officers. So you, no, you I, send me a DM, and then we'll get together, bud. Hey, just out of curiosity, did you get out of the profession because they heard your challenge coin hit the floor when you were banging the inmate? 
No. Sadly enough, the guy, the the officer actually did share my first name. Oh, okay. Well, you you both share my first Andrew. name. I'm sorry, Drew, but <laughs> right. our, our name is is a little blemished because of him. We are just strong Scotsmen. That's all we are. Thank you for calling, Andrew. I appreciate <laughs> it. Make sure you listen to uh, Hard Time with. Uh, a fella named John and uh, what, what's Jake. that tough guy? Yeah, Jake. Yeah, he's tougher than me. Yes. He's, yeah, he's uh, tough as nails. That he's guy. got a growly voice and he's smarter than me. I don't know why I have him on my show. He makes me look stupid every week. That's what this show's for. <laughs> yeah. No, you were. <laughs> I kind of think you make me look smart. <laughs> God is God is punishing me. <laughs> Oh, that was the most real moment in the past 38 Hold days. on a second, everyone. Huh? When you ask them, I'm sorry, what did you say? Huh? Anyone who goes, huh? On the phone is clearly a kid. Dead giveaway. It's my favorite moment from last week. Uh, okay. So let's get into the, the thing tonight. Uh, what do we call it? A breakdown? No, we're going to call it a reaction video. So yeah, reaction. here's tonight's reaction video. You're going to see John and, and my face on the screen. Uh, as well as uh, the the video which I have pulled from the Burbank PD's website. Um, I'm sorry, from the Burbank PD's YouTube page. Uh, in the name of transparency, thank thank God for transparency because uh, so many agencies put their stuff up on YouTube now. Uh, but I, I have edited it strictly for the purpose of brevity, not necessarily to change any outcomes or anything. Because I I think that they you know are definitely in the right in what they did. Uh, it's a very unfortunate situation, but it's a harrowing case. So let's get right to it, John. Nice. Like the logo. Thank you. Hello, I'm Lieutenant Derek Green with the Burbank Police Department. This critical incident debrief video is intended to provide information and an overview of the circumstances related to an officer-involved shooting that occurred in the city of Burbank on May 27, 2023, just after 4 o'clock p.m. The Burbank Police Department conducts very thorough use of force investigations, including all officer-involved shootings. On May 27, 2023, at about 3.50 p.m., the California Highway Patrol Communications Center received a 911 call from a man who said he was parked in the Home Depot parking lot in Burbank, which is located at 1200 South Flower Street. The man was of the belief that his daughter had been abducted, said he had a gun, and that he was going to start shooting people. Call one. Call on Saturday, May 27, 2023, 3.50 and 35 seconds p.m. 901 emergency, what are you reporting? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think my daughter's been abducted and, uh, I think she's currently being murdered. Sorry, your phone cut out there. You said you thought your daughter had been abducted? Yeah, my daughter's been abducted. Do you know who abducted her? No, I don't. Do you know where she is? I don't know where she is, sir. Why do you think she's been abducted? Because um, I've been trying to get a hold of her. And then earlier I called, and some guy answered and just hung up. Okay. Uh, where does she live? On. She lives in Winneka. Her name's Got it. Let me see if I can get LAPD on the phone with us, see if we can get a missing no, persons report. Can you, can you bring, can you, I'm in Burbank. I know you're in can Burbank, you? sir, but she lives in Winneka, which is LAPD, right? Okay, so John, <clears throat> do we run into this often or not, these jurisdictional issues? What and, and how do we handle that? First of all, I love that we stop every single time and talk about jurisdictional issues because 911 has got to deal with this every single, almost every single 911 call. 
Case in point today, lady found a bike that she saw realized was stolen out of a different city and it was in her in her yard. And she called them and said, come get the bike. And they're like, well, we're not going to your city to get the bike. So then she calls me and she wants my police to take the bike over to that city. Like people just don't understand jurisdiction at all. They don't understand the limits of where we work. Caller doesn't understand that uh, he's in Burbank, but he's reporting apparently a missing person. I assume a child at this point, just because I assume the worst case in a, in a different town. This dispatcher is trying to establish what's going on. He seems unusually calm for a, uh, some, a parent whose uh, child was abducted, but we're trying to move with speed. We're trying to get him over to LAP. They can investigate this, uh, this possible missing person or missing person juvenile. And that's what we're getting it from the case so far. And uh, the case uh, it obviously takes a wild turn from here. But jurisdictionally, I think it's uh, someone else. I'm possibly going to hand it off to them. I'll stay in the line in case it involves me in, in any given way. But once, I've, once I'm sure that it doesn't involve me at all, I'll discontinue the call. Drew. I'm glad you're all picking up on the same thing that John is, the professional nine, the 911 professional, because, yes, the guy does seem a little bit calm that his daughter's been abducted. Um, however, sometimes people uh, get the terminology wrong. So, um, you know, he could th – this could be a matter of – um, like my ex-wife took my daughter, so yeah. he's not really concerned. He's kind of mad, you know, it, it could, could be a, be a custody thing. Yeah. It could be a custody thing, or it could be like, he, he's just misidentifying what, you know, what abduction is. Uh, but he is, he could is be a, a boyfriend. Yeah. It could be an, or uh, yeah, but he is abnormally calm for somebody who's, who, who's thought that it's a level of emergency enough to call, 911. I'm glad you're all picking up on that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm currently in Birmingham, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a shooting. I have a gun, too, and, and I don't want people to get shot. So I'm telling you right now, I got a gun. I'm, I'm at the Home Depot. I'm at the Home Depot. I'm about to get off, bro. These are following me, and it's going to get off, and I'm just going to start shooting, bro. I have to. I have okay. To. Well, I don't think that's a good idea, sir. I'd prefer you didn't do that. I've been to that Home Depot. There's a lot of nice people there. I don't think they should be shot. Great statement. Yes or no, John? He's doing fantastic. The fact that he's just not boiling over like, oh, my God, what are you what are you talking about, man? This this call has taken a, a hard left turn, which is why it's on the episode tonight. But it started out as him being concerned about someone who is missing. It still seems to be something that's driving him. But somehow he thinks the answer is to open fire on the parking lot of Home Depot. Now we've got, you know, this is no longer something that uh, if he's in Burbank, you know, this is something for Burbank PD to take care of, but now we're dealing with an active shooter. Now the, the issue of the daughter frankly takes back seat, whether she's an adult or a juvenile, he's saying, I have a gun and I have no choice but to shoot people. Here's the problem for me as a dispatcher hearing that, this guy's in the parking lot of Home Depot. I'm running his number to see if I can get his name. I'm trying to get his name so I can run all registered vehicles to him. I'm trying to find a registered vehicle that has up-to-date registration on it. And I had to do this even last night at work where I was searching for a suicidal person. There was four possible vehicles he could be in. So I'm issuing bolos over the air. If we could be in, in, a, in, a, in a pickup truck, red in color, he could also be in a Dodge Omni, orange in color. He could also be in a Volkswagen Beetle, yellow in color. And it's, so it's like, be on the lookout for all these things. But can you imagine... You know, it's almost like a time bomb situation. There's somebody inside a vehicle in this parking lot who at any moment will fling open the door and open fire. PD's being tested to somehow find this man and stop him in time. Uh, 
my balls would be sucked up into my abdomen to be honest with you drew go ahead that's very graphic uh he he uh he could be in his actual spaceship we don't know uh but he's also uh, the, the the dispatcher does humanize the entire situation like slaps a, a, a dose of reality right back into that guy's ears and brain by saying i've been to that home depot there's a lot of nice people in there i don't think i, I don't think that would be a good thing to do uh so whether it works or not or whether that was a tactic that was trained i think that it was uh fantastic if it was his training he was spot on about to okay. the home depot in burbank bro what's your name ruben ramos the telephone number you're calling on is that the your, your phone number here the one that ends in three six eight five Yes. All right. Let me see if I can get Burbank PD on the phone and see if we can get you some help. Okay, sir. Are you in the car or inside the Home Depot? Where are you? No, I'm inside the Home Depot, like in the you're, car. You're inside Home Depot right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me get Burbank PD on the phone with us. Okay. See if I can get an operator to help us out. The call Burbank Police Department Communication Center received a call from a CHP operator. A Burbank Police Communications operator spoke with a man on the phone who affirmed what he had told the California Highway Patrol. The caller said he was in his van, armed with a 25 caliber Beretta, and would not exit his vehicle for police officers. A 25 caliber Beretta is a compact pistol that can be easily concealed. 911, what is the emergency medical order? It's with the transfer. I've got Ruben on the line with us. He says he's at the Home Depot here in Burbank and uh, has a gun with him. He is uh, saying he thinks he's going to start shooting people pretty soon. I want to see if we can get him some help. Okay, at the Home Depot? That's right. Ruben, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still okay. I'm sorry. And this is the Burbank Home Depot at 1200 South Flower? Yes. Okay, and you're saying that you have a gun with you and you want to shoot people? Look, I'm telling you right now, my daughter's been abducted. And she's being murdered as we speak. Wait, I'm sorry, what? My daughter's been abducted and she's being murdered as we speak. Okay, well, CHP just said that you're at Home Depot and said something about shooting something, someone. Look, man, I got people following me, man. I mean, what do you want me to do? I got to defend myself. Okay, so Ruben, can you tell me if you're at the Home Depot right now? Yes, I'm at the Home Depot right now. Are you in a car? Yes, in a van. What color is your van? Silver. Silver van? Okay. And what kind of gun do you have? 25 Beretta, man. A Beretta? 25. 25? Yes. Okay. And uh, where's the gun right now? My van. Is it in your hand? In my van, yeah. It's right here. Right here. It's in the van where? With me. Okay. Who else is in the van with you? Just on two. I'm just by myself. I'm sorry? I'm alone. Okay. All right. And you said that your daughter was abducted? Yes, she was. Okay. And when was she abducted? It had to have been like earlier this morning. Earlier this morning? By who? I don't know. I don't know, ma'am. Okay. Do you live know. in Burbank? I don't live in Burbank. You don't live in Burbank? Okay. And what did you tell CHP about shooting somebody? No, no, I, I, this is what I said. I said, look, I got people following me, and, and um, they start shooting at me, I'm going to start shooting back. Okay. Who do you think is following you? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. Where in the parking lot are you? I'm, uh, I'm, at, I'm at the, uh, at, like, the south entrance. 
at the south entrance. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Oh, there's TV right there. Okay. And if an officer comes to talk to you to help you, then are you able to keep that gun away from you so that you can talk to the officers? Hell no. No, ma'am. What's your last name? Ramos. Okay. And did you say yes, you can or you cannot? No, I mean, I can't keep it away from me. No, I can't. You cannot or you can't? No, I cannot. Okay, why is that, sir? Um, she's doing an amazing job as well. She's, she's trying to get him to give up the gun. She's, she got a bunch of information out of him. Uh, it's clear he's pretty delusional. So, uh, we don't know what the, the full story is on this. Um, but she's, she's gathering a, a, a fair amount of intelligence just by, um, asking the questions she's asking. Cause he's playing along. Thank God, John. At this point, stalling for time until the police can locate him, um, trying to figure out anything. The last thing you want is any kind of dead air that he can see as an opportunity to step out of the door. Distract him with anything, keeping him thinking about something else. I would resort to almost anything at this point. Going back to the daughter, what's your daughter's name? When was the last time you saw her? Get him focused on something positive, something other than stepping out of the vehicle and shooting. But for sure, she's doing a great job. And it just shows you, you know, what was she doing five minutes before this? Was she eating a cheeseburger and uh, hoping that the last 10 minutes of her shift went all right, you know, that nothing else would happen today? So many of us are caught in that situation. And 911 transfers her call, says, hey, we've got someone who's got a gun. And he says he's going to sh start shooting. Can we send him some help? Of course, at that point, that dispatcher probably stays on the line. And he's advising through other dispatchers to send all the information that he has to coordinate that stuff together. Again, the call I had last night where we were looking for that suicidal guy, I was working with a neighboring jurisdiction. And when you've got a call like that, you don't give up. You keep helping each other, Drew. Great point. I'm glad you brought it up. This is yet another difference that the cops sometimes don't understand between uh, what, the, what the dispatchers have uh, to what they have to deal with on a shift versus what they have to deal with, it, what the cops have to deal with on a shift. Because think about it she didn't get to, she doesn't get to pick and choose what calls come in. She just picked up the phone because that's her job. So by luck of the draw, she gets it. If you're a cop out on the street, you may get a call by luck of the draw, but everybody else sees what's happening. So they all start heading your way or, or heading towards your call or someone can actually say, Hey, I'm a lot closer, free that person. And, and I'll take, I'll take the call myself. I'll handle it. You don't get that in dispatcher land. And and and, and to John's point, uh, she could be daydreaming about the hot dog that's in her uh, that's in the microwave, and that's not code for anything. But I mean, she might be warming up uh, yesterday's meal and 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 sitting back down, and now she's got this, and she's you know kind of frazzled. Or uh, it doesn't sound like she is, by the way. But or uh, she could have just come off something horrific. And just buttoned up whatever she had to button up and she took a deep breath and then the tone goes off in her ear and now she's got to deal with this. So uh, it's, it's, this is why I say these are first, first responders. There's no question in my mind they should be treated as first responders. The stress is the same. The, uh, the long-term uh, accumulation of trauma is the exact same. Uh, the only difference is the acute danger because of the bullets, which we're about to see here. If it'll play. There we go. Oh, so I made a note to myself because that gun away from you so that you can talk to the office. Let's count the silence here. Sir? No. Oh, ma'am. What's your last name? 
Vamos. Okay. And did you say yes, you can or you cannot? No, I mean, I can't keep it away from me. No, I can't. You cannot or you can't? No, I cannot. Okay, why is that, sir? Hello? Look, man, I mean, basically, it's one of those two. So I, I just let that in just a quick note, John, and I'll get right back to it. But it, it, think of what your adrenaline is doing or what your stomach is doing in that silence. Like you don't know what he's doing. You don't know if he spotted one of the officers and he's aiming his gun. You don't know if he's got the gun to his head. You don't know if he doesn't have a gun at all, but there's just nothing but silence. It gives you a, a second at least to catch up. But at the same time, you have no idea what's what's about to happen here, right? Yeah, that's that's the worst part is that uh, you, your mind runs away with itself. As I mentioned earlier, when I, the first call first came in, I was thinking missing persons juvenile. I'm thinking of a really little kid. I'm thinking of issuing an Amber Alert. I'm thinking of the worst possible situation. You hear these things and your eyes close as you're working and your mind fills in the gap. And you prepare yourself for the worst possible situation. And unfortunately, you fall back on your memories of previous terrible situations. And then you open up the idea in your imagination for just the worst possible thing that you hope you never have to deal with. And you hope and you you think that it's this. You you worry that the that the girl's in the car, that the girl's dead, that there's some, you know, some terrible thing going on. Or just that he put down the phone and he's aiming at an officer who has his back to him. Those 10 seconds there were horrible. And uh, it, uh you know, we've break down this on body cam footage a lot, how long those 10 three seconds can be for someone in that situation. 10 on the phone is a very long, very long time. Drew. I don't know why it's just... I have officers coming to help you, sir. Ma'am, my mom, my daughter's name is... Okay. You what? My daughter's name is... Your daughter's name is... Okay, yes. how old is... She's 21. Okay, 21 years old. What kind of man is this? The first officer arrived within 25 seconds of being dispatched and located Mr. Ramos still seated in his van, which was parked near the front entrance of the store. At the time, the store was open for business and the parking lot was busy with customers. Hey, buddy, it's the police. As additional police officers continued to respond to Home Depot, the communications operator asked Mr. Ramos to step out of his van unarmed, but he refused. Are you able to step out of the van with your hands up? No. He said no. No, I'm not. No, ma'am, I'm not. I mean, I'm just can't, but no. Huh? Are, are you wearing a hat, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a hat. How did you know? He is wearing a hat. Okay. How did you know? Because we're trying to help you, sir. So that's, again, just another sign of the delusion. Like, yeah. how did you know? I mean, it's it's obvious how we know. But he's, to me, this seems like methamphetamine. That's what, I, that's what this screams of. What you'll notice here is that we've already got some negotiations going on. And this is something I want to address at the end of the show, Drew, if you'll allow me. I didn't talk to you about this show prep, but I suddenly was just remembering that our old friend Amanda from uh, early on in the show called me earlier this week and wanted to talk about something related to that. But she's already negotiating with him, saying, hey, can you come out with your hands up, which is what a negotiator would do. When he says, uh, you know, how did you know I have a hat on? 
the best thing that the, that the dispatcher could say in this situation, and I'm not criticizing her because she's handling something I've never handled before, is say, hey, that police officer that's behind you, that's my friend Greg. Greg's going to help you. He can see you. He told me he just wants to know if you're the guy in the hat. That's my friend Greg. Can you go out and talk to him? Come out with your hands up, nothing in your hands, and just go talk to him. You know, that way you transfer whatever rapport that you have with that caller that you have with yourself, you transfer it to Greg, saying, Greg's my friend. Greg's the one that works with me. We work together. We're both here to help you. And that's how you can transfer your rapport to someone else who's going to take over negotiations at the scene. Drew. Awesome. I have a few officers there. We want to help you and talk to you about your daughter. Good job. We're, we're there to help you. Is there any way you can exit the van with nothing in your hands and your hands up? Oh, no. No. I mean, As officers continued to arrive, Mr. Ramos quickly exited with his hands concealed and told officers he had a gun. Police officers spoke with Mr. Ramos and gave him instructions to keep his hands visible, but he ignored them. Stay in the car, stay in the car. Stay in the car. Okay, face away from me. Face away from me. Bro, don't do it. Face away from me. Face away from me now. Face away from me. Face away from me. Okay, face away from me. I'm here to talk to you, buddy. I'm here to talk to you. I want a gunpoint. Hey, face away from me. Face away from me. Face away from me. Hey, don't reach, buddy. How's your hands, man? We're here to help you. All right, for the benefit of those that can't see, <clears throat> he's uh, he is indeed at the driver's side of his Toyota Sienna van. Uh, he's wearing a light blue shirt, got a ball cap on, just like uh, described, but he also has that right uh, hand in his uh, right jeans pocket, and it's uh, it's buried deep in there. It's it's like clutching something, it's pretty apparent, and he's also covered by another. Uh, or concealed, shall I say, another vehicle. Uh, it looks like to, uh, uh, some type of Volkswagen SUV or something that's just to his left. So he's in between two cars. He's, you know, he's properly parked in a parking space, probably three spaces from the Home Depot, but um, he's True. in between two cars. Is this what you call furtive movements? Um, yeah, I mean, there's no movement though. He's just, he's just not just subterfuge. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's non-compliance. I mean. Okay, I want to help you, but I can't help you like this. So this is what I need to do. I need to see your hands. Put your hands up for me. Is anybody in the van? Okay, put your hands up for me where I can see them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. I promise you, I'm gonna help you. Just put your hands up for me. An additional police officer then took over primary communication with Mr. Ramos and spoke to him in both English and Spanish. Throughout the interaction, Mr. Ramos kept his right hand concealed in his pants pocket and refused to comply with the officer's instructions. Put your hands up for me. Just put your hands up for me. There's no way to know this when you're on the way there sometimes, but that adds to the confusion. It's like you're, you're trying to get people out of the way you know, you're flying up the interstate or whatever, and you've got your lights and your sirens on, but it, it just, it adds to the chaos and the confusion, especially when they're trying to communicate with this guy. I mean, you know, I'm not 
taking shots at the officers. They're just trying to get there to help their their comrade. Hey, all right, let me see your other hand. I can help you, but I need to see your hand. Okay, important to note for those listening and not watching, uh, our, our guy with the light blue shirt and the hat is wearing a surgical or a, uh, a COVID mask, basically. Um, and um, that definitely inhibits communication. So it, it, it lends to the paranoia in my, my opinion, but he, it also, uh, it, it inhibits communication because he could be yelling something back right now. Like he could be saying, yeah, I, I think you're going to kidnap me or my daughter's being murdered right over there or whatever. But if you can't hear him and you can't see his lips moving, you don't know if he's talking or what, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, whatever. Just show me your hand, man. What's your name? What is it? Spanish or English? Hablo español? Ruben, you speak English? Officers then gained brief compliance from Mr. Ramos when he put his hands in the air, lifted his shirt, and began to walk backwards towards them as requested. However, Mr. Ramos suddenly stopped following instructions and walked to the front of a parked vehicle where he was concealed from the officer's view. There you go. Thank you. Just keep your hands out just like that. All right, Ruben, this is what we're going to do next. Ruben, listen to me. Just put your hands up for me. Put your hands, both, both hands up. Thank you. All right, turn around and face away from me. Ruben, turn around and face away from me. Right there, thank you. Are we ready? Do we have a team? Are we ready? Because he's Yes. Okay. Um, I, I put the subtitles on there. Are we ready? Do we have a team? And somebody says something and he says, are we ready? Because he's complying right now. I know. Meaning, he, he's got his hands, uh, th this was frustrating to watch in a sense, because he's got his hands on uh, the top of his head. He's They're finally making progress with him. He no longer has his hands in his pocket, um, w you know, without, at, at the risk of, I, I, I don't want to offend any of these officers that were out there. They did, they did an amazing job. They did what they had to do. And, and they don't, not all of them have the viewpoint that I have, and they certainly don't have the benefit of hindsight uh there 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 is in my opinion at times uh overtraining that we do in law enforcement and um this guy perhaps is um quasi compliant at this point there's no way to predict what he's going to do next when you start asking him to walk back but you do have him in this compromising position in the felony stop and his his face is turned away from you he would have no way of knowing if you're running up on him now it has to be communicated to everybody out there because that's a good way to get shot uh but um you know we ask for compliance we ask you to put your hands on your head um sometimes it's just got to be like man <laughs> strike while the iron's hot it's good enough let's let's get in there and get him and get some handcuffs on him the, the the appropriate thing to do is obviously have him walk back to your voice send a cuffing officer up there have the officer cuff him you know what i mean have somebody search him while everybody else is holding deadly force on him but um there are just times um uh, I, I don't know if i'm just re reverting to my own training or the way we quote used to do it not that it's any better than now or any worse than now but um 
like there sometimes comes a point where you probably gotta it's, put your hands it's on like the guy. movie the good the bad and the ugly when it's time to talk talk when it's time to shoot shoot and in yeah. this case i'm not saying shoot in the literal sense but he's got his back turned he's got his hands behind you these guys like eric has said many times on the show these guys are being trained to wait for backup they're saying is our team ready are we ready to go in there's a group a column stacked up or whatever one guy needs to go in there and take him down to the ground and the rest need to be close behind him at a dog pile but there are, and I and I have never been a police officer, so I'm not judging them. But they're worse, you know. They they're worried that the guy that charges up on that he's going to spin around and just pull whatever it is he's got out of his waistband and cap him right right. Well, the the reason I'm saying what I'm saying is because I think that sometimes we're more worried about what the camera is capturing because we're worried about what the media is going to say. Well, because point. we're worried about what the attorneys can defend, because we're worried about us being indicted and not being able to put food on our tables and missing yeah. our wife Which and children shouldn't and... be in the equation at this critical moment. Yeah, exactly. But Way it too is much for them to think about. Yeah. Yep. Just, you know, just get out there and do your job. I mean, that's, I wish. Yes. Okay, Start walking back towards the sound of my voice. Okay. The officer's doing fantastic, by the way. I mean, he he got he's got him to put get his hands on his head. He's got and this guy is, I'm telling you, in full paranoia. I, I swear it's methamphetamine, and you know, maybe it isn't, who knows? But he's the the walking back. doing he's, good. Yeah. Like the, fact that he's, the fact that yeah. he's walking backwards with his hands up, they'll they'll ask him to do some complicated movements with his shirt, you know, lifting it up so they could see his waistband. He's actually doing okay. Yeah, he's listening. Your collar. Lift up your shirt. Show me your waistband. doing the a classic office. tactic where they're switching off negotiators to see if they can get someone else but at this point he's it's not a matter so of progress it's I, not I a mean, matter I, of rapport though he's he's responding and all of a sudden he's stopping yeah. it's almost like the lights just turned out on him i, I think uh you know what 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 ruben i think is his name the 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 guy with the white blue shirt is he's battling the voices in his head who probably are telling him that these are the abductors and and all that he, he's his body automatically is doing what he's being told to do uh he's just not doing it fast enough and we're in this um you know sometimes perhaps an officer just needs a little reassurance and again i'm not monday morning quarterbacking this guy i think he did a phenomenal job there just came a point where he was like shit you know it's not it's just not working out like he's not coming back to my voice somebody else want to try and as soon as somebody else tries that's when things kind of take a right turn So the voice he trusted is no longer talking. It's somebody else's voice. So now 
He's competing with the voice that was talking, the voice inside his head, and now the new voice. And he walked forward. The he California forward. Highway Patrol communicated. He walked forward to the front of the car. Communication center received a 911 call from a man who said he was parked in the Home Depot oh, parking lot in Burbank. <laughs> I'm sorry. He started over. So, yeah, so he so. started walking towards the front of the car, which was directly away from the officers. I Okay, I want to help you, but I can't. It's a little bit after this. However, Mr. Ramos. Okay. Just okay. Right about Start here. turning. Keep turning. Keep turning. Keep turning. Keep turning. Stop. Okay, you're going to start walking back now towards the sound of my voice. Start walking back towards me. Start walking back. Keep coming. You're doing good, man. Keep coming. Walk towards us. Just walk backwards. It's okay. Walk backwards. Ruben, keep coming. You're doing fine. Keep coming. There you go. Keep coming. So much progress. You're so close. You're not far Ruben. away from them physically at all. Keep coming. Don't stop. You're doing fine. Keep coming. Ruben, keep coming. Ruben, I can't help you if you're standing over there. Start walking towards us, Ruben. We're here to help you. Keep coming. There you go. There you go. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't stop. Somebody else want to try? The audio sounds different because we're looking from a different officer's uh, dash cam and you can clearly see he's in front of that Volkswagen um, uh, SUV. Uh, he's using the entire Volkswagen now as his cover. He, he instead of walking backwards, walked forward and is now kind of taking cover, um, which, you know, is making a lot of people very nervous. He, at this point, though only one or two can see, he and maybe none of them can see because this is a dash cam, by the way, but he has his hands on the hood of the car. But when he emerges, he definitely does not have his hands on the, on the hood of the car anymore. As Mr. Ramos remained hidden from view in front of a parked vehicle, the officer continued to try and reason with him and gain compliance with clear instructions. Ruben, do you trust me? Come on, we're here to help you, but I can't, I can't help you if you're back there. His hand is in his pocket and he won't take it out. Maybe he's right, he's right, he's right pocket from my angle. Can't see his hand, grab his right hand. As the officer continued to try and convince Mr. Ramos to surrender peacefully, Mr. Ramos repeatedly concealed his hands in his waistband and his pants pocket while hiding in front of a parked vehicle. Hey, how old is your daughter, Ruben? 21? Okay, I need you to give me the address where she's at. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna find her through her cell phone. How about that? Can you give me her cell phone number? Yes. Now, the, Ruben, in order for me to get that, I need you to come over here towards us. One of the kinetic energy weapons used is the defense technology 40 millimeter single shot launcher with an exact impact sponge round. 
This munition is specifically designed to temporarily incapacitate an aggressor or non-compliant subject while allowing officers to remain a safe distance away. Take it up, okay. get the shield. While partially hidden in front of a parked vehicle, Mr. Ramos aggressively reached into his pants pocket. In response, an officer discharged one 40-millimeter exact impact sponge round, which struck Mr. Ramos in his upper torso. Yes. 40, 40. After being struck by the sponge round, Mr. Ramos. All right, so I put the, the subtitle on there. Somebody else, 40, 40. The purpose of doing that is so nobody else fires anything. You want to give warning that you're about to fire the 40 millimeter so the people around you don't think that the suspect is firing at you or uh, it kind of breaks your frame of thought and uh, reduces the the um, the potential for sympathetic gunfire. So when you yell 40, like you're supposed to yell taser, 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 or 40, 40, or um, uh, I forget the name of the, the, the rope thing that we use now, but uh, it sounds like a gunshot going off. So you, your mind may react to that. So uh, there's a warning that's generally given by the officer shooting it off. Stood up and advanced towards the police officers while removing his right hand from his pocket. Mr. Ramos then extended his right hand and arm towards the police officers while holding a dark object as if it were a gun and took a shooting stance. As if it were a gun. Yeah, he's, I mean, clearly holding it out I, like a yeah, gun. Yeah, that's classic A-frame shooting stance. It's almost like he's yeah, at the range. Yeah. So this is a different officer's body cam here. Ruben, I need you to calm down. You can see he's to the left out. of the uh Bring the your hand back out. Get out of the way. One officer's behind the shield. Ruben, let me see your hand. Ruben, I can't help you if you have your hand in your pocket, man. That's the 40. Yeah. Okay, uh, if you would pay attention to the officer that's leaning against the car in the, the hood of the car when you hear the 40 round go off and watch his reaction when the 40 round goes off. I don't know if I'm going to be able to time that or not, but let me let me give it one more shot. Okay, it'll be the officer at the front of the car. The off so when the 40 goes off, he jumped. So that's that's exactly the reason for the warning. It's in a sense kind of good that he jumped because he's not expecting it, uh, but he is expecting it, but he also didn't fire his weapon. Then when the gunshots rang out, he actually took cover behind the engine block of the gun of the uh, of the vehicle he was standing behind. He didn't have a clear shot, obviously. Officer involved shooting was also captured by Home Depot's surveillance cameras, as seen in the following video. Sure, the security guards are just watching, by the way. 
Immediately following the officer-involved shooting, police officers rendered first aid until paramedics arrived. Mr. Ramos was then transported to a local trauma center where he succumbed to his injuries and was pronounced deceased. The object in Mr. Ramos's hand was determined to be a black-colored folding knife. A firearm was never found. The individual on the phone with dispatch was later identified as Ruben Ramos, a 47-year-old resident of Canoga Park. Mr. Ramos had an extensive criminal history, including several felony convictions. At the time of this incident, Mr. Ramos was on parole for assault with a deadly weapon. Such a shame. Didn't have to end that way, Drew. It didn't. Um, it's a sad case. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, I've said it a million times and there's no way to. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's a case of drug use or if it's his paranoia, like he's some type of schizophrenic or something like that. I mean, either way, he was convinced that the, the police officers that were trying to help him were his enemy. Um, because he very clearly wanted them to believe that he was getting ready to shoot them. Uh, so I don't know if he thought that maybe he actually did have a gun and he was going to shoot his way out of that situation, or I, I don't know what, obviously we'll never know what his frame of mind was, but um, it, it had very deadly consequences. There, there were enough guns pointed at him already, and then for him to come out of his pocket and then take a shooting stance, not yeah. like ah, I've got a knife and I'm going to stab you or no. on guard or something like, you know, he, he, looked, he, says, he looked like he just got done with range practice. Now yes. drew some people in the, in the chat are saying suicide by cop. Tell me what, tell me why it's not. Cause I don't think it is. Go ahead. Uh, I, I don't think it is. I think it went on a little bit too long. Uh, I, I think, I think the suicide by cop probably would have played out a lot quicker. Um, I didn't detect it, any actual suicidal ideation. I think no, he was full-blown psychotic. I think he was completely disconnected from reality. Norm normally, and I say normally, and it is becoming more normal all the time, but someone like that ha has an expressed desire to end their lives quickly. They're likely to uh, to run out at the police. You, we've seen incidents even on this own show where, where they charge at them. Uh, there's, you know, when they have interactions verbally, there's usually a lot more going on. This guy was complying at one point. So it's not like he just all of a sudden, you know, he was changing his mind about how today was going to go. I don't think that he's had both feet in reality, Drew. Yeah, there's a great question from uh, Angel in the chat. Uh, do, does anybody know if if the um, if his daughter was actually kidnapped? And uh, I tend to say no. Um I, well, I'll tell you the the answer to your question is no. I don't I don't know the answer. I didn't find that out. I didn't go that deep into the case. Um, I think that it would have been more of a story that we probably would have heard about if she were actually uh, kidnapped or abducted. Uh, but when he is saying things like he's saying things that are consistent, like yeah, I, my my daughter's been abducted, and the reason he gives is well, some guy answered the phone and hung it up. Then he said very calmly my daughter is in the process of being murdered. My daughter is being murdered as we speak. And he saw the solution to this as like, I, I don't have a choice. I have to get out of this car and start shooting people. Those two ideas aren't connected together. And it's the major piece that lets you know that this guy, I don't think is even suffering from any kind of acute depression. I don't think he has a plan to kill himself. I don't think that that's part right. of it. Although you have to wonder, you know, the dispatcher is asking him these complicated questions about the gun. You know, can you separate yourself from the gun? Is the reason why you can't put the gun down? And he almost has to sit there and think, well, the reason why I can't put the gun down is because I don't even have one. 
You know, when you, when you look back at the phone conversation through retrospective, knowing that what he has is a knife, which he tries very convincingly to make them believe is a gun. So I get shot. It makes it a very, very strange case indeed. But I think like Drew, I think drugs are probably the answer to this. And unfortunately, that's not that doesn't that doesn't satisfy all the intellectual curiosity about why this took place, because it is a really bizarre call. Drew. Uh, was was Ronald Reagan from Burbank? uh no he was from illinois he's then he moved oh, to california yes. and became the that's governor right. so okay i was just thinking the nancy reagan and he did get shot that. <laughs> no that was in washington dc though yeah or was it was it in maryland all right um so i, I that's it for the uh the reaction video we have for this week as, as you can see it turned out uh horribly wrong but uh again the the officers would not have been in the tactical position they were in were it not for the dispatchers gathering the information that they gathered, how they gathered it. And uh, it was a team of dispatchers from a couple of different agencies that kind of teamed up. One saw the urgency um, of what was about to take place. I mean, you know, he, he was uh, led to believe that this guy was going to go into the Home Depot and start picking people off. And he was alert enough to get the right jurisdiction on the horn. And then that that dispatcher or emergency call taker from that jurisdiction took over, and man, she did a phenomenal job of getting a lot of information out of them and getting the response set up perfectly for the officers to go home. Unfortunately, the suspect didn't go home, but it was again whether it was the the drug override or whatever, there was a decision made that he didn't uh, want to continue living at that point. So uh, there's not a whole lot that can be said about that. Something that Deadleg mentioned earlier was how quickly. The dispatcher switched hats between dispatcher and hostage negotiation. I'm here to tell you right now that just based on the calls and the job that we do, there is no fundamental difference between a dispatcher and a hostage negotiator because when the phone rings, it's an emergency of some kind. That doesn't mean that hostage negotiations aren't especially complicated. They're not harder for the dispatcher to get through. But when the phone rings, you're dealing with some kind of emergency. And whether it's a plane crashing or a baby choking or someone saying, I've got somebody hostage, uh, the emergency dispatcher is going to do the the all the same kinds of things. Gather the information. Where are you? What's your name? What's going on? Do you have a weapon? Is anyone injured? Tell me what's happening. How do we get to this point? A dispatcher and a negotiator are going to go from essentially the same script. And to that point, like I said, Amanda reached out to me earlier this week, and she was talking about some stuff that's going on with her. And uh, if you may remember, she was the one who brought to us her incredible story of survival. She went to the brink of depression and came back uh, stronger than ever as a dispatcher. It doesn't mean she's not still struggling with things, but She's a hostage negotiator. That's how I met her in school. And she sent me a video that's been making its way around on TikTok. Since we don't have voicemails, Drew, with your permission, I'd now like to go ahead and play that 911 call. Hopefully it works. Sorry, this is Crystal. How can I help you? Listen here. I'm at Main Street in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. Do you know where Main Street is? I'm not sure that is a good address, sir. Could you verify that for me? Main Street. Main Street. I'm not sure that that is a good address. That is an address. Okay, what's the nearest intersection that you're by? What do you want, the damn phone number? Okay, go ahead and give that to me. 719-393-0078. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, is that a home phone? Yes, it is. Okay, sir, and what's going on there? Now, listen here. I've got two people here held hostage, all right? Okay. Now, you know what happens to people that are held hostage? It's not like on the movies or nothing, all right? You understand that? Okay. And uh, one of them here's name is Danielle and her father. And the reason why I'm doing this mm-hmm. is because her father raped my sister. Okay. Okay. 
and I and I am armed. Okay. Okay. I am armed. I do have a pistol, and I swear to God, I I will kill these people if any cops come in this house with any gun. I will fucking shoot them. I will kill them. Do you understand me? Can I get your name, sir? Yes, my name is uh, John Defano. Okay, John, are you in security? What do you mean? Are you in the the town of security? Because I'm not sure that you're in Colorado Springs. You may be right outside of my area. Yes. So you are in security? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm going to need to transfer you over to the sheriff's office. Will you stay on the phone with me? Yes, I will. Okay, hang on just one second. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Can you stick on the line with me at all? Because I'm not talking to these people anymore. Sure, John. I had enough of the shit. I'll certainly do that. Okay, hang on. But just remember. Mm-hmm. I am armed, and I will shoot. Okay, what kind of gun do you have? Uh, I have a twenty-two. Okay. Is it a pistol? Oh, uh, yes, it is. Okay. And you have two people there? Yes, I do. An 18-year-old and her father. Okay. Okay, I want you to hang on the phone with me. They're duct-taped in the next room. They are duct, uh, duct-taped and roped together. Okay. Let me okay. get you over to the county, okay? And I'll right. be on the phone with you, John. All right. And you are, you're going to be talking? Yes, sir, I will, John. All right. Just one second. Thank you. Let them know I'm transferring it over. Do you want me to stay on the phone? Jennifer, this is Crystal with the city. I'm transferring a call in. Um, one of my other um, dispatchers is calling over there. It's going to be a hostage situation, Dane Street and security. Okay, yeah. Okay, let me bring him on in the phone. He's wanting me to stay on the line with him. Okay. Johnny, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, I have the county on the phone with us now. Hi, John. Yes, I'm here. Hi, okay, this is Jennifer. Okay, Paso, what exactly is going on? I'm not talking anymore. Okay, you can't talk? I'm not talking anymore. Hey, John. Like I said, I am armed. John, is it okay if I tell her what's going on? Yes, you may. Okay. All right, County, he advised me that he has two people there that he's holding hostage. Okay. An 18-year-old that is named Danielle and her father. Okay. So that was uh, from TikTok, but just look at how many broad strokes that legitimate hostage taking had with this uh, person who was calling in someone who was first a missing person's juvenile and then an imminent, you know, armed uh, active shooter. So many things in common. Where are you? Where are you located? I don't I can't tell where you are. What's your name? What's going on with you? What is your plan? What kind of gun do you have? She's picking up the names of people. So in this role, you know, clearly she's doing hostage negotiation. She's establishing a rapport. She's having to transfer a call, just like the call that, that Drew had here. We're trying to maintain that, that cohesiveness. We're working together. That's a situation of a hostage negotiator in action. And just compare it, all the same broad strokes to this 911 dispatcher for a totally different situation. And that's what 911 dispatchers have to deal with all the time. And this is the one point Amanda wanted me to bring up because it was the main thing I was thinking when she talked to, talked to me. And this is meant in no way to disrespect any police officer. But when a police officer goes on scene, uh, he's got his uniform and his badge and he's got his command presence and he needs all those things. And he's used to getting there and getting compliance and he's used to getting it pretty damn quick. A 911 dispatcher is used to never going to the scene, to never having any control, to never impressing anyone with our credentials and our badge. But all we can do is step into that terrible moment when it comes to us and use whatever influence we have to change the outcome of that situation, to gather intelligence, to exert influence, to build a rapport with that person who is acting in deadly ways. And it's something that's very difficult for police officers when they try to step into the role of negotiator, because when a person is uh, acting out 
when they're about to be on the edge of violence, when they're taking hostages, when they're about to start doing active shooting, that person, whether we like it or not, is in control until we establish control. And many police officers, because of their self-image as police officers, struggle with that. But dispatchers are able to do that because we do it every day, taking 911 calls. Drew, that's my soapbox. I, I'm sorry that your soapbox was interrupted by some foreign noises. I, I thought really you were about to say that, that the show ended 20 minutes ago and I was about to turn the table over. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> You're going to turn in your shield and your piece? You can take um, this piece of tin. I'm done. You can have my badge. It means nothing. Uh, you, I, I really think you should go back and, and w watch the episode, uh, that she was on, uh, Amanda was on with us. Um, it, she just, she's just a humble human, but I mean, just an amazing story, uh, a story of hope, no matter who you are, dispatcher, just civilian, whatever cop, um, first responder. But I think it's a good idea to go back and listen to what she has to say. She's uh, it's my understanding she took a new position in another agency. She's probably doing uh, really well, no matter where she's she moving is. on up. She's moving yeah, out. She's she moves, moves up to, I believe, a, a larger county. And uh, I don't think she's the boss there, but she probably will be again soon. So it's probably a, a money thing that she's moved up to a bigger agency. Generally, uh, taking on jobs at bigger agencies is a sign of moving up. Uh, you don't want to be stagnant too long in this career. Otherwise, you wind up like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, listen, this is the Fair to Stop Network. Mondays, we have a show called Uncuffed with Jay Durrell and Eric Tanzi. It is two uh, former cops turned comedians. One of them is just a washed up individual, and I'm going to let you decide who that is. <laughs> Tuesday is uh, a show that we call uh, True Last Crime Tuesday. True Crime with right. Kendra. Did a great True job this week. She covered the uh, the Sex Pistols murder, which is a case I knew nothing about. Actually, when she sent it to me, she's like, hey, we're going to do the murder of Nancy Spungen. And I didn't get it at all. I said, is there any music maybe that we could do with this reel? And <laughs> yes, she goes, there's an probably the catalog. Sex Pistols. And I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I've heard of them. We should use the Sex Pistols. So I actually used the Sex Pistols song with that Sex Pistols murder reel. It was, it was one of those moments where it's like, Somebody speaking to you from on high. It was, it was kind of go eerie. back and watch the uh, watch uh, Eric and Kendra cover that uh, uh, the Sid Vicious uh, Sex Pistols case. It, it, it was great. I mean, she's doing a phenomenal job. Look, she's she's two or three episodes into this thing. She's where she should be at episode ten or fifteen. Oh, she's opinion. way ahead of us. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. So forty or fifty episode, oh, yeah. forty or fifty. But she's uh, she's an amazing person. She's just got quick wit, um, and the whole nine yards. Uh, so watch the show. I mean, you know, there's going to be bugs that we have to work out everywhere. So, uh, so that's she's a lot funnier than me. I'm very worried for my job. So I would actually encourage you not to watch the show on Tuesday and only watch Thursday because Kendra's coming for me. She's hilarious. Wednesday is a show that we call Last Call. Our producer from this show, Josh, Dead Leg Media, teams up with Eric, and we're going to maybe a modified format on that where we're um, the three of us are going to kind of. I got the in invite. Out. I got invited yep. too. That just yep, shows that got... it's open to anyone, but I got it invited is, to right. also be on well, Last Call. You were invited. You just can't talk. Uh, so last call of the day is so that uh, the, the original premise was so that you don't sound like an asshole on the weekends at the at the barbecue with your fellow first responders. It is kind of morphed into current events and, and news 
to keep you caught up and to keep you away from mainstream media because Failure to Stop's mission is to inform and uh, entertain and inform first responders. So Thursday nights is this show that you're watching, 8 p.m. It's called the Comm Center. John's a uh, former dispatcher. I am a former dispatcher and a retired police officer. I'm a little washed up myself. Tomorrow is a show called the Big Show. The Big Show breakdowns uh, with uh, it's it's what the Failure to Stop uh, mission was born around. We just do uh, reaction videos, police reaction videos. Uh, so Eric and I will be covering a, a, a case tomorrow. You just tune in at 11 and figure out which uh, what we're going to talk about. And then Sunday, it's this thing that I keep talking about. It's called Night Shift TSI, and weird, it's uh, it's show. a great show. Yeah, it's a great show, and it's about the conspiracy theories. I talked about it earlier. Find it on YouTube. Find it as, as its own podcast, by the way. Go and rate and review it as its own podcast on the, uh, the uh, C-Minus Media or Failure to Stop Network. Um, it's called uh, Night Shift TSI Top Secret Information. It's great. It's fun. It's funny at times. It's not funny at times. So if you're there Fairly waiting funny. for the comedy shoe to drop and it doesn't drop, that should not be a signal for you to just turn your back on it forever. We did have a review last week of one of the shows where uh, it was our one of our neighbors to the north gave us this glowing two-paragraph, um, beautiful, beautifully written uh, in the King's English, uh, but he only left one star with it. So it kind of looks like it's a little confusing. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's like a bad Yelp review where uh, the food was good, but the restaurant was dirty. Uh, and that's just not the case. I think he just made a mistake. It's okay. Uh, we appreciate anybody that leaves, takes the time to leave us a review because that really helps us, believe it or not. Uh, the downloads themselves, downloading the podcast, the views on YouTube, the comments you leave, everything. We appreciate everything you do. We love you. Go to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash failure to stop. Uh, look, buy Manscaped. That's coming up this fall. We're going to we're gonna bombard you with Manscaped ad reads. Uh, and uh, don't forget uh, officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. And John. Ghost Bed. The show's brought to you by Ghost Bed. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack and get 40% off across the straight site. Right now there's a flash sale. I don't know if the Labor Day one's still in effect. Go over there and mention Fair to Stop in the comments if you're going to buy it at a higher discount. Make sure that you know, or make sure that GhostBed knows that Fair to Stop sent you. We love their ghost beds. We love their proprietary cooling technology, their adjustable frames and mattresses because they're made in the good old United, United States, States of America. Of America. Uh, <laughs> they've got that built-in cooling technology. You try them for 101 nights, and if you're not happy, you could send them back. There's no hard feelings. Uh, go ahead. Go over there to Ghost Bed. Everybody loves them. Tansy travels around with his pillow. Also, Factor Meals. We're still with Factor, correct? Guys, yep. Factor Meals are delicious, okay? If you are like me and you have to travel over an hour to get to anywhere, let alone work, you're going to want to do your meal prep all in advance. Guys, today, groceries are very expensive. Factor Meals is comparable when it comes to the amount of time, energy, effort, gas that you're going to put into feeding yourselves. You can completely plan out your meals in advance. You can have them delivered to you. They're in a nice box, nice packaging. They're kept ice cold. You put them in your in your fridge or freezer, depending on when you want to use them. Go ahead and heat them up. It's a delicious meal. It's restaurant quality food. We encourage you to go out there and use that. Wolfpack 50 is our offer code with them. Why do we want you to do that? First of all, we want you to be well-fed. We want you to get a good night's sleep because you're first responders and you're out there to save the world. But also you're here to save this podcast. When you use Wolfpack 50, it tells them that you're listening to us 
and it makes them want to give us money so that we can keep coming back here to bring you failure stuff. Drew just told you we bring you over 400 hours a week of free entertainment. Just go over there and get your food that you're already going to eat. You are a bunch of eaters. And just get your food from there. Tell them Failure Stop sent you. Support the show. Support first responders. Thank you to Factor. Uh, and their wonderful shakes, Drew. Huh? When you ask them, I'm sorry, what did you say? Huh? Anyone who goes, huh? On the phone is clearly a kid. Dead kid. By the way, uh, did we we never covered last week? You mentioned this on the on the on the big show, but it's like that caller last week who was acting like a child on the phone. They were like 27 years old. It's a 27 year old female. Yeah, right. So for I, those I of you waiting in bated breath for a full week plus an hour and 31 minutes, uh, that was a, an adult woman who called last week. <laughs> now you're up to speed. Huh? Huh? Uh, okay, listen. Uh, thank you for <laughs> indulging us. Thank you for being a part of this Wolfpack. We love you. Uh, it, it, keep uh, um, Veterans Day in November weekend open because there's stuff going on in North Carolina. We're going to talk more about it. It's, uh, I believe, badges and boxes is what I'm going to be seeing. It's a, a place in, uh, it's a uh, not for profit in Albemarle, uh, North Carolina. Albemarle. Not Marlboro, Marlboro, but it sounds like Marlboro. Marlboro. And then Marlboro. Uh, the following day, and Vinny, uh, comedian Vinny Montez is going to be part of that. Then the following day, we're going to be in Clayton at a theater. So uh, Vinny Montez is going to be there with Eric Tanzi and Jay Durrell White. Uh, again, one of those two are washed up. So please keep that weekend open. Uh, we hope to see you then. Wolfpack, we love you, John, as usual. Stick Guns up. up. Giddy up. Good night, America. Go Lions. Go Lions.